0: The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. February 4th, post Super Bowl edition of the PFF forecast. We're going to talk about the Super Bowl and the halftime show. Not Lakers. No, no No, Lakers. Lakers free. Let's rock. That was an awful game. It was incredibly boring. Even if you like defense, couldn't have been that fun. Um, didn't get a great rating. No. Surprisingly, we did okay on our on our picks, though. I knew you were going to come out with that. You were. You can tell you did well on your picks because you've dressed accordingly. <laughs> We've eschewed the fuzzy sweatpants and shirts with weird logos for a nice collared shirt. You almost tucked it in. But the untucked with the sweater is,
1: it's professorial to like the tenth tenth degree. I mean, it's amazing. Well, we were on the news today, so I, you're like, we gotta we gotta dress well, but not suits, right? So I, it's like clearly, thi- <laughs> this <laughs> is this is my like, hey, I'm gonna go ask the dean for a raise, type of you know. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. This is my. Uh, what Adam Levine
0: should have worn the entirety of his show uh, attire. Um, yeah, Sometimes less is less. <laughs> yeah, like less carbs for Adam Levine probably would have been a good clothes. look. less
1: clothes. Like it's just less for everybody. Probably would
0: have been a good look. He struggled. So the fact that he took his shirt off was not even one of the worst things he did. No. Him pretending to dance and be a background singer for Big Boy <laughs> was a colossal mistake. Really tough, really tough day for Adam Levine, who I generally like. I think Adam Levine is cool. They, here's what they should have done with the halftime show. It should have been just Atlanta only. So they should have started with Usher. you know, Usher. They, sh- they should have had um, Big Boy. They should have had Ying Yang Twins, whole thing, um, and just bleeped out the, <laughs> the entire halftime show. That's what they should have done. All right, the game itself. If you had to pick one thing from the game that happened that was important that you predicted it is what
1: the it it didn't actually show up this way on the on the score sheet because they both had decent statistical games at the end but I thought that New England basically neutralizing uh, Cooks and uh, and, uh, Woods was something that we both talked about we thought that that was gonna be the formula and, and it ended up being such. I, that was a great, and Josh Reynolds being important, but not actually com- converting any of those chances, and so the Rams' offense. What I think fell that speaks dustly. to
0: most, actually, is what one of the first things you mentioned when we were doing like our pre-Super Bowl stuff for for Peter King, actually, a few weeks ago, was the importance of not having Cooper Cup. Yep. What an added dimension he brings to that offense. How important he is to play action game. How much confidence Goff has in him. He's basically the Julian Edelman. For Jared Goff, and they didn't have him, and that was huge. Um, And, you know, if I had to pick the one thing, it was what the Rams do is great in the regular season. It is simple, it allows them to be quick, it allows Goff to process fewer things, and it is hard for teams to fully prepare for on a week to week basis. But in the Super Bowl, two weeks, there are two weeks, Bill Belichick is going to get the better of this, and certainly did. Uh, yeah. golf was under pressure over 40% of the time took over 3.3 seconds to throw on average I, you, you're not going to win a game playing like that it's not going to happen
1: yeah the, the great thing was we talked about um, when we were studying you know the two weeks off thing you know and we looked at Patriots since 2006 with a bye beat the other team by an average of 10 points which is exactly the margin of victory last night And while oftentimes they're facing, you know, the fifth seed or the, you know, whatever in the AFC, you know, uh, the second round of the AFC playoffs, the spreads of those games were just a little over seven. So like yesterday, not only did they win handily, they covered. and, and, And I think that that was important. I agree with you. It's interesting. So the what was and this is a little bit of folklore, but also some truth is you look at some of the money ball teams in baseball in the early 2000s that were. That were hacking their way to hundreds win seasons and playoff berths and all that kind of yeah. stuff, and the thought was when they got to the when they got to the uh you know the 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 playoffs they weren't top heavy in the right ways, they weren't distributed in the right ways, and they didn't you know, and so I think that's an interesting thing to study is is being great in the regular season a recipe for being great in the playoffs? My the, you know, the null hypothesis has to be yes, but you know there might be situations. And of course, we're looking at a one-game sample. We're looking at a, and frankly, we're looking at a game where the Rams. You can make an argument shouldn't even have been there because of the penalty and everything. But it, it's a good it's a good thing to ask. It's well, a good thing to, to study.
0: You could also make the argument that a thirteen-three game probably should have been a lot higher. There was. There were multiple opportunities mm-hmm. for the Patriots to yes. score many more points, particularly on defense. There was um, the Hightower dropped interception. Yep. There was a tipped pass that Goff had in his own end that was a bad play. It was a really bad throw. It looked like it was a shored p- pick. And potentially a pick six at that point gets tipped, ends up falling incomplete. The C.J. Anderson fumble yep. was just laying there for ever yeah. and they didn't
1: pick it up um could have been a lot worse certainly when we we were on the when we were on the phone with peter it was it was the thing where uh, peter getting two mentions yeah, in I this know. podcast so so it was friend of the podcast friend peter of the came. podcast that's right so so it was it was like he, he would be here but
0: he's recovering from having to go as he told us he had to go to, to the, the party. party last night so we we hope he's doing yeah. okay
1: but it was like a, a baseball game that was like a pitcher's duel. But one of the teams is being no hit and the other team had, had you know, struck, struck out with runners on third in every inning. That's how the first half of that game felt. Right. And 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 I I think so and, and I I think that's an interesting one. The one of the things that's you look back and you think, are these team were these teams scared of each other? Like was there a reason that they weren't going for it on fourth down? Was there a reason they weren't taking as many shots downfield? We talked about this in the in the Picks column, right? When we were talking about whether or not to bet the over, and we said probably not because neither one of these teams is very aggressive on fourth down. They leave points. The Rams left something like twenty points, twenty-five points on the field in terms of like you know uh, borderline go for it you know situations yep. this year, and that bared out right. They had you know situations where they could have went for it, maybe changed the game. The Patriots at the end of the game could have went for it to seal the game in one fell Whoop. swoop. And, and again, it's just like I think that's part of the conversation now, which is, I think, one of the benefits of having podcasts like this and and, and yeah, conversations. Well, but. all the credit goes to us. Yeah. Um, the, the Patriots, over 400 yards of offense, 13
0: points was the lowest number of points they could have scored, yeah. basically, given their offensive output. Um, so, you know, the, the fact that the idea that their offense was horrible in this game and that it was a defensive battle is a little – misconstrued here here's the question that i want to ask though is this what is your opinion of sean mcveigh going into this game and after this game
1: well so here's a here's a i think that there is a a set of universes where sean McVay ends up like mike mccarthy hmm. in that you had cuz they were the Packers were very much similar. They ran all basically all 11 personnel. They did a little bit more with their backs splitting out, Randall Cobb being in the backfield, but they kind of ran the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. And it was great when you had talent and you, you know, you had the best quarterback and, and the league hadn't caught up to you. The league catches up to you, do you have a counter? Now far be it, my null hypothesis is that is that Sean McVay has a counter, right? But if the answer to that question is no, as you said, Cooper Cup goes out, right? right? For the Packers, it was offensive line gets weaker. Quarterback gets a little less efficient. Receivers like Randall Cobb get a little older. Jordy Nelson gets hurt. And then all of a sudden you go from top-level offense to middling offense, get, you know getting a coach fired, et cetera, et cetera. I think he has to be more aggressive on fourth downs. He has to do more of those things. But from a play caller's perspective, he was great. As Sam said on Twitter, Sam Onsen, our colleague, his A move was great, but the Patriots never let you get there. They make you go with B, and you know the great ones have B. And so the real question is: is is he going to be able to develop that? Yeah, this
0: I, you had to, based on everything that he's shown, he understands Goff's limitations, right? Their whole offense is predicated on using play action in disguise to give Goff more time to throw, to make his reads simpler, and they use the the quick game. You know, the, the only team in the NFL that goes no huddle after a first down over a fifteen percent clip. They do those, you know, snap to the ball and run. They do so many things to help Goff out. The tough thing is that you can't necessarily adjust those things, and then to top it off, and this is the part. There are two things that happened that made me think less of Sean McVay, aside from the fourth down decision. We'll get to those fourth down decisions in a second. But the Patriots had used defensive line stunts over 50% of the time in the playoffs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You knew it was coming. Mm-hmm. They did 18 of 42 passing plays against the Rams, got pressure on 50% of them. Okay? Goff, when facing a stunt, took three sacks, averaged 3.4 yards per play on all of their dropbacks, 5.7 yards per play. They were unprepared for something that the
1: Patriots had actually shown they were going to do. Yeah. And that was the storyline, right? The Patriots were not a team with a ton of talent up front. Trey Flowers nope. is a very good player, but aside from that, we saw Danny Sheldon make some plays yesterday. Uh, Adrian Claiborne, is, as he, by his own admission, has one pass rush move. Right. And, and then they still were getting pressure.
0: And there was a lack of, and, and then on top of that, there was this sort of lack of usage of the things that actually were going to get them somewhere. Mm-hmm. So on first and second down, three and a half yards per run play, 6.1 yards per pass play, almost nine yards per play action pass play. Mm-hmm. But they only used play action at 33% rate, below their, their season average. They didn't sort of double down on the things that they should have done. They ran the ball 40% of the time on second down. Goff was a disaster on third down. You had to know that third down was not the optimal down for Mm -hmm. Jared Goff in this game. Mm -hmm. And yet they did things more often that you shouldn't do, which is the exact wrong time to do this, right? This is where you go to the other side. You lean heavily on the side of the optimal play, even if you sort of have been in the middle. Yeah,
1: And that's never really been a staple. The Rams, I, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they don't not run the ball they're not the chiefs right they don't not run the ball like 83 percent the rams
0: are closer to that 67 70 which is like most still very
1: yeah it's better than most yeah but it's not it's not it's not popping like they're not they're not efficient on purpose they're from that perspective they're efficient because they run a pretty good offense in terms of the plays and everything but um I think we won't talk about the golf situation. I think right now, but it will be something we've brought up at times in terms of his option, in terms yeah. of you know what this Rams. If you just look at the Rams in terms of what they've committed to, seventeen to Donald Whitworth, about sixteen Cooks, about fifteen, you know Brockers eleven, Barron is almost ten, Gurley almost ten, Peters nine. I mean, there's a lot of folks on that team that are currently getting paid more than the quarterback. Yep. And then, as you said, we have Cooper Cup coming up here in a few. Um, you know, you have some players there. The you know, Nickel, Roby Coleman, like they're they, they're going to have to start rewarding some of these players who were big for them. Okay, well, this gives me my next question. We did this draft,
0: yep. eleven round draft, uh, of players in the Super Bowl, yep. and I had the second pick. You had the first pick. You took Brady, of course. So I then took Goff and Belichick. You took McVeigh and stefan gilmore i then took donald and talib you took uh robert woods. robert woods and trey flowers i took julian edelman and devin mccordy you took or uh jason mccordy you took gronk and whitworth what's interesting here is the top of this draft yep. i think so goff and belichick versus brady and mcveigh i'm assuming you're going to take brady and mcveigh here but that is an interesting question. Not really. Question. I mean,
1: because I think Belichick, of those four, had the best game yesterday. So, okay. so you can... I mean, I got,
0: so you're saying that
1: I made the best pick of our draft. I think I no, did. No, I think Stephon Gilmore was the best pick of the draft. I would
0: say Belichick was, given that
1: it was out of left field, <laughs> and he was the most valuable yeah, yeah. player, and I got him third but, overall. But taking Gilmore... Gilmore was great. At at the in the third Gilmore's round fantastic. when when folks are like you know folks a lot of a lot of ca- how many casual football fans have ever heard of Stefan Gilmore before he made an interception last night? Well,
0: it, look, you all you had to do was listen to Jim Nance who told you that he was the highest graded. Say cornerback. our name, Jim. I, okay, don't don't hate on Jim. <laughs> Jim Nance is. The epitome of a company man, as I mentioned. I think he has a CBS emblazoned bathrobe that he wears because he has to remind himself that he's always an ambassador for CBS. The NFL is such that if you are not paying for sponsorship, you will be swiftly kicked in the butt if you somehow get sponsorship. So not allowed to say PFF. Chris has to do the same thing basically last year in the Super Bowl is the same way. So. To be honest, the fact that he used graded out I thought was good enough yeah. because we're the only company that is giving out grades. So when he says that and people go Stefan Gilmore grade, if even if they google that, I've got to think that helps PFF yeah. love Jim Nance. I thought Romo had a subpar game.
1: Gilmore but. this season almost 1200 snaps, 1.93 war highest among defensive backs. A little bit a little shade under Donald in terms of defensive players, but an all-time season for him yeah. uh very good very so, good year
0: I I do think I think this Goff Belichick versus Brady McVay is so interesting because to me Bella there's no way that Belichick would go out there and let Jared
1: Goff do the things that he repeatedly did right Goff- not not after Nick Foles did it last year like that was that was a thing that we talked about as well Nick Foles pants them last year. It was not happening this year,
0: right? And and to that point, if if Belichick is the coach for Goff, Goff is also not going to spend all of his time sitting back there in the pocket. He is going to orchestrate some quick throws to beat that team. It it was crazy. Goff was uh, under pressure. It was under siege, yep. and yet only twelve percent of his dropbacks was he under pressure in two point five seconds or less. With less than Brady, interestingly, yep. so. There just wasn't an a. They just weren't variable enough as a team. So I'm I'm leaning towards that. I would take Belichick and Goff versus Brady and no. McVay. I think
1: of the of the that quartet. You won. It's int- You would have never guessed this, right?
0: Because I, I think the idea was: look, McVeigh is going to make some adjustments here, right? Uh, you had to Well, think the, so. the
1: narrative was that he made adjustments in the NFC title game, and I think what really actually happened was yeah. that the Rams, got, Rams made a couple plays to scare off the crowd of the New Orleans, which was really what was causing all their issues, mm-hmm. and then they just executed better. Um, well, you
0: and, mentioned – one of the things you brought up was Goff's play under pressure, and people get so excited – when they see someone play well under pressure. But you've got to realize it just mathematically is a fact that it is volatile. You can't expect that game to game. And this said it perfectly. Goff in the regular season, 5.8 yards per attempt under pressure, 24th, sacked about 17% of the time. In the NFC Championship game, though, 9.1 yards per attempt under pressure. He was fantastic. He had a couple of dump-offs to tight ends that happened to be there, sort of out of happenstance. He flipped them out there, and he gets Mm -hmm. them. Only sacked one of 12 times, 8%. Go to the Super Bowl, 3.6 yards per attempt under pressure, sacked four of 17 times. The pendulum just swings back, and all of a sudden, those X-factor plays that you can't rely on, and then you compound that with this. He had 60% clean pockets. Brady had 80.
1: Yep. And and we talked about this in our Spread Picks article, which was, you know, if you looked at the whole season, Brady struggled in a clean pocket. Goff was far better. But if you looked at like the last two months of the season, Goff had sort of trended downward a little bit. Again, cup matters. I think the receiving core certainly matters here. And then, you know, Brady was doing a lot better. And so, you know, as much as we talk about McVeigh doing things that, that make Goff you know succeed, it does look like the Patriots made a concerted effort after you know, not only did Brady get injured a little bit against Tennessee, but also just that team was just like you know under siege. To to use your term, they did a lot to I think help you know Brady out in, at his you know older age.
0: Well, that, that was going to be my next thing. Let's talk a little bit about the Patriots' offense because it was actually not as bad as the thirteen points. That's right. Made it out to be, and the key they were so good at attacking the places that they knew the Rams were weakest. So I'm going to set you up for this: Brady to the slot. 164 yards, 11 yards per attempt, 109 rating. All other positions on the field, 98 yards, 5 yards per attempt, 43 rating. I think the slot and how the Rams decided to cover it was interesting.
1: Well, and that's what we talked about all off-season. Targets to the tight end, targets to the slot are worth about 10% more expected points added on a per-play basis than targets to the outside. At the the strange thing here, and we talked about this, like everybody was talking about going into the game, how good the Rams were against the slot, how good they were the last like two months of the season against the slot. And as much as like we know coverage is unstable, we know that especially slot coverage is unstable. But what was crazy was Nickel Roby Coleman, who I drafted, I believe. No, you drafted <laughs> I him. Drafted him. Um, was not the primary coverage player for Julian Edelman. Uh, he only allowed one catch to Edelman. Talib and Peters were on his coverage. I believe three catches and two catches respectively. He was on a line. He was on uh, uh, Littleton twice. Um, he was on a safety another time. It, that one was curious. And we were watching the game. We're like, why is Peters playing inside? He's an outside corner. Why is he tracking? He never has tracked before. And, and, and Tlaib, you know, I don't mind Tlaib. Honestly, I thought that they were going to do what Denver did against Gronk mm-hmm. back in 2015, which is put Tlaib on, on Gronk. It, it was clear that they didn't have the same kind of respect for Gronk that they had historically, having him com- covered with linebackers repeatedly. That one was interesting to me. Edelman roasted them, and I, I think that was one of the least expected things going into the game uh, uh, yesterday. It was. And he was a pick of yours.
0: Well, you know. We got to stick together, our, us Northern California boys. That's right. Julian Edelman, a proud graduate of Woodside High School, a rival of Mendel atherton High School, where I went. Um, but you know what? When it, when it comes down, you can be a rival. It's funny. So, like, you could be a rival in high school, and then all of a sudden, you realize how big the world is. You go off to college. You're, you know, mid-20s. And all of a sudden, no, no, no. We weren't rivals. We're from the same area. All of a sudden, we're on the same team. Um, but Julian Edelman, a great guy. It's so fantastic to see a guy like Julian Edelman. He epitomizes the Patriot way, almost. I don't want to say more than Tom Brady, but at least just as much because he was an absolute no one. Was a quarterback. Was told he. I mean, well, that that that's a Bra- huge one. He's Brady, a quarterback. Brady went to Michigan. Yeah. Okay, let's let's not. Oh. Edelman went up the street here to Kent State. By the way, Darren Ravel tweeted out at Brady's like uh, resume for if he didn't get drafted, he. two of his like four jobs were working at a golf pro shop (laughs) which i thought was really funny but julian edelman you know was even more of a nobody and through just pure want to really has made gumption
1: will grit toughness but that that's also the patriot like patrick chung went from being a safety to basically like a linebacker slot corner now Mm -hmm. um you know, over and over again that you see guys like that that are their linebackers are basically what edge linebacker hybrids you know it's it's it is the patriot way taking something that no one else would want uh, and turn them into something something uh, you know usable and in Edelman's case of uh, great I
0: want to talk about some
1: of the smaller
0: the more micro things that happen in this game we've talked about some of the bigger you know kind of game-wide things that the teams did but individual decisions that had big impacts on this game, and there were quite a few. Um, the first one that comes to mind, the Rams, 4th and 3, at uh, the Patriots, 42. Um, this is in the, is it the first quarter still? Uh, yes, still in the first quarter. A couple of minutes left in the first quarter. Um, what was your thought when you see it? Get to fourth and three. You just talked about how McVeigh has been a little suboptimal with those decisions. I talked about it coming into this game. Would he have learned yeah. from not going for it
1: and still winning? But you and I don't think this way. We were looking at third and three, and we are already thinking about fourth down, right? So, True. um, I mean, I wasn't surprised. I actually, you know, so we were talking about, I think, on the on the pod or some of the, the two-and-a-half passers in the game. I totally thought that this would be a situation where they would run a fake. Um, but I wasn't surprised that they didn't go for it. Honestly, it just doesn't seem like it. The one time you you can remember them going for it was literally when Jared Goff had to talk him into it in Seattle. Right. And, and this, uh, so it, was, it wasn't surprising for me, even though it was super suboptimal. So... Yeah,
0: so the decision here is whether to punt or go for it. That's mm-hmm. a key distinction here. So it's fourth and three at the 42. Um, about a 60% chance of converting in this situation. The difference between the Going for it and kicking is about 5% win probability points. 48%, if you decide to go for it, that factors in all of the possibilities. You turn it over, right? That is a possibility. Um, but you're not going to gain that many yards on average when you punt the ball and you have an opportunity to keep the possession. Losing 5% chance to win the game in the first quarter is humongous. Huge. A really, really big mistake. The game is tied at I mean, it's that basically
1: point. the difference between, I mean, it's, it's, it's like half of the difference between going from being home team to away team.
0: <laughs> really? It's, <laughs> it's huge. And, you know, um, man, I, I can't believe he didn't go for it there. Then there's another decision here. This one's on Jared Goff. It's third and two. They're at the 47, 450 to go in the second. Now the Pats lead by three. And at the, just what you said, if it's third and three, we're thinking about the fourth down. I'm mm-hmm. thinking about the fourth down here. Jared Goff drops back, takes 45 seconds to run around, and takes a 14-yard sack. It was unreal. So who knows if they would have gone for it? Maybe McVay continues to not make the smart decision. The smart decision on fourth and two there from the 47 would have been to go. Mm -hmm. Were they to throw the ball away, get to that fourth and two, and go for it, 41% chance to win. After the sack, obviously you've got a punt, 35% chance to win. A loss of 6%. This may very well have been the difference in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, going from that. Right. So the these middle two of the decisions. field. The middle of the field is where a lot of these things happen, right? Like, um, you know, we're talking about like uh, prior to the halftime, like punts were the plays that flipped the most win probability. Right. And it's, it's, again, it's going from being in the middle of the field to not being in the middle of the field or crossing the middle of the field. And, and in this particular case, the the. Rams had the most important thing in football, which is the ball. They were uh, in New England's side of the field, and not only did they like they not only crossed the middle of the field, they gave up the ball. So it's like a huge, you know By the way, shout out to Josh. Was it Josh Hermsmeyer who called
0: that to our attention? We checked it out, it happened to be the case with our yeah, you yeah. know model as well. I think but if you want, you know, if you're listening out there, if you somehow don't know what nfl scrape r is and Mm -hmm. you're proficient in r you're not proficient in r you should check it out because it's open source um uh, easy accessibility to looking at epa win probability all that stuff ron yurko um, who has done a ton of work on that's fantastic stuff so check it out um so those are the two fourth down decisions for the rams they blow those so as a result the patriots have this chance to go down and, and seal the game And what they did on that touchdown drive has been much ballyhooed. They ran the same play three straight times, all this stuff. But really what they did is they came out and they went heavy on four straight plays. The first one, which was the little Gronk on EBCAM, they were in 21 personnel. They basically said, we're going to find these linebackers and we're going to attack them. We're going to
1: give everything Gronk has left
0: in this (laughs) world. They shot him up right before the play. And and they hit they hit uh, Gronk to Ebicam, Then they come out in 22 personnel, two tight ends, two running backs, mm-hmm. but they go five wide. Crazy thing here. So all of these are first and second down plays. There were 11 instances in the NFL this season of teams going 22 personnel and splitting out to five wide. Three of them <laughs> happened on this drive by the Patriots to the tune of 16 yards per play. They hit Edelman over the middle. Then they hit burkhead on the comeback and then they they have to double edelman if you watch this play over they literally bring a guy down to double edelman which basically puts one safety in the back means the linebacker is going to be one-on-one it was cory Lilton, i believe mm-hmm. with gronk brady finally throws a good, <laughs> good pass down the field and there you have it i mean that was the difference in the
1: game. But and even though James Devlin didn't push the ball over the end zone. Oh, it was man, still, I was going
0: crazy because I had the James Devlin first touchdown <laughs> prop. It was plus 3,800. I'm losing my mind at the one-yard line. Yep. Um, but that is that summed up the game so perfectly. The Patriots are able to change on the fly. They're, they're like water, right? They can be ice. They can be a gas. They can be a liquid. It, they can morph. Chameleon. Even better. The Rams are what the Rams
1: are, what they were, and they probably will be. Uh, and, and unfortunately, when a team is, is as good, like so obviously Belichick, you know, our coaching metrics, all those kinds of things, when you are good enough to, with two weeks off, you're good enough to, to sort of stop that, that first you know, that, that, that first thing a team has, when your quarterback isn't as flexible as a Brady, when he's you know, bah, pliable. Golfing. Pliable, you yeah. might say then then that's you know you, you get you get what you had yesterday which is a, you know three points for one of the most explosive offenses in the NFL. All right, the
0: last big decision here Patriots are winning the game they're up 10-3 they have a fourth and probably half inch. <laughs> so uh, what about a minute 13 left to go in the game. Yep. And the question here is do you kick the field goal? If you kick the field goal you got 13-3 you're up 10 presumably the game is over if you go for it you have to gain half inch and if you gain that half inch the game is actually for certain and brady's rushing attempts prop is also over brady's (laughs) rushing attempts prop is on the line um my my bet of patriots minus two and a half is safe at this point (laughs) but from a i want to optimize my chances of winning the game perspective going for it here gives you about 90 percent chance to win the game you've got a pretty darn good chance to convert i mean it's
1: almost it's almost entirely in the probability of converting yes but also tacked onto that is how good your defense has been because you you have to i mean the worst case scenario is you give up eight yes and your your defense has given up three so far and it's probably higher than that probably higher than that because we always count full yards yeah yeah. and this was a half Half a yard so
0: they decide to kick the field goal and everyone it's weird the way that people think about this because it's like oh no they got to kick the field goal
1: here well, they go up by
0: two scores because they don't
1: see they see they don't realize that not all points are created equally right because that those 3 points give the ball back to the Rams in theory unless there's an onside kick and the Rams have a minute 10 and if there were to be a miracle a 10 point swing in the last 2 minutes or minute or you know minute 10 it has to happen with the Rams having the ball. The Patriots convert. Not only do they convert, but they never give the ball back. So even if, you're, even if you're doing a simple comparison of what's the probability of converting a sneak or whatever play on fourth and one versus what's the probability of Gostowski hitting a non-trivial 41-yard field goal – the, the latter is more probable the than edge the former. The
0: goes to the option yeah. that helps you seal the game. Right. And there's, Whereas, not a,
1: there's secondary and tertiary probabilities associated with kicking a field goal or missing a field goal right. that aren't involved in the one side of the fourth and one, which is conversion, right? And so that's, that's also why, you know, and to go off on another tangent, that's also why that whole when you're up by three and you're at the opponent's 20 and it's fourth and short – do we kick a field goal to make the other team score a touchdown, or do we just go for it here? That's why the going for it is easily the better play, because the secondary type stuff is the other team now knows they need a touchdown. They're going to be more aggressive. Yep. They're not going to advance Joseph it up and like play for a 51-yard field goal, right. all that kind of stuff. And that's all the stuff that can happen when the bad things happen. Yeah. And if you convert, the game's over, right? You don't even put your defense on the field again. And I understand the whole, like, I understand why it is. Like, we talked about this before. Like, I want to show my defense I believe in them, blah, blah, blah. But it's it's foolhardy, right? You want to show your offense, you believe they can Blom's kneel the ball down. Charities, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. Yeah.
0: It, it was not what I expected from Belichick. But given all of the amazing things that he did in this game, to orchestrate pressure yeah. it was the, uh, the last thing that i'll talk about the last sort of singular play that was massive was after this right to actually end the game um it, they had blitzed golf a lot okay they had blitzed him actually almost mm-hmm. half the time which is the third highest uh, blitz rate for a patriots defense all season but they brought a zero blitz with seven pass rushers one time and it was perfect. They had everyone covered. They had close coverage on everyone. It forces Goff to make a suboptimal throw. Stephon Gilmore is right there yep. to make the interception. Um, that was the brilliance. Yep. And it was the difference that you s- culminated in that play. But if you watch this game, the Patriots did the little things that the Saints didn't do. On play action, Kyle Noy is destroying yep. the outlet The bump angle route, the bump angle route, exactly. Those little things that keep you from getting five yards on first down. All of a sudden, you're in third and eight, and Jared Goff is petrified, right? All those little things that they did culminate in that one play. It was a great, um, you know, defensive
1: mind. And, And to to the Rams' credit. They didn't try to establish the run or anything like they you know what I'm saying like well, people are calling for them right now to say you know they should be I mean they didn't run the ball too much in my opinion because the game was close the whole time their amount of rushing attempts wasn't egregious but they did try play action they probably should have thrown the they, ball in second down and long more they probably should have ran even more play action but it wasn't this like egregious run pass split that I thought could have happened you know yeah. with, with Gurley coming back and then wanting to prove a point I
0: what, the point that was proved is that the broadcast networks have literally no idea what is happening on a football field because poor Tracy Wolfson was probably, you know, I mean, just badgering
1: well, the P, it's the PR be so frustrating. For the Rams. Either either they're lying to her or they're telling her the truth, which has been the same since the he's, divisional he's,
0: round. Gurley's Girl, a fantastic athlete. He does not change the calculus for this Rams team one bit. In fact, I made this point earlier to you when we were watching the game again. The Patriots are when they went twenty-two and they went five wide. The reason that's effective is not just because they went five wide. It's because all five of those guys that went wide can catch the ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. With Todd Gurley and this eleven personnel, you don't split him out wide and no. everyone freaks out. He's not that type of back, and that's really where and you and they're not that type kind of value. offense. Not that type of offense. They- um, it, this was not about Todd Gurley at all. I, I think that the Rams to win this game should have recognized we have got to crank up the things we do well. They cannot be running the ball 40% of the time on second down. They need to be using play action 50-60% of the time. I don't understand why that's a taboo thing. The Patriots literally did it in last year's
1: Super Bowl. Yeah. They
0: ran play action 50% of the time in the first half, they think and it's, it worked. They, they, they think it's cheap, though. It's,
1: it's back to this whole... like. It's I don't back think to this McVay whole... sits in bed at night
0: worrying about whether his just, <laughs> offensive I, strategy is cheap. No, I...
1: Do you, do you disagree that people think or, you know, folks are you? I disagree.
0: Like, I I'm going to protect. Sha- I think Sean McVay is going to <laughs> ascend the McCarthy
1: pen- the yeah, bar that yeah. you've set for him. I have higher standards for my man. I Sean think it's McVay fair though. The because because if he goes the wrong cheap. way, it's going to look a lot like well the the cheap thing. I think is more league wide. People are like, oh, it's a you know they they don't like. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of why they, they yeah. often buy stallions to play running back. It's like, well, it's just cheap to pick up Damian Williams right, off the right. scrap heap and have deep him and, be great. And have him be great. It's, it's cheap to go with you know, C.J. Anderson. So, to, to McVeigh's credit, he doesn't think it's that way because he was giving them every, two se- every other series, basically. I mean, basically. They, they
0: ran play action, their staple, less than they did on average this yeah, yeah. season. That is egregious to me. On second down, as I mentioned, they ran the ball 40% of the time, six yards per play. Pats on second down, eight point three yards per play. But here's the kicker. Rams using play action on second down, nine point three yards per play. You've got to do the things. You've got to press your advantage, even if it's very slim. They did not. Um I won the bet. I had Pats minus two and a half. However, the pick that we decided to print, Pat's minus a half. Was never even a question in the first half. <laughs> you and me minus and he, half in the first the, half
1: at the party, sweating this last like three minutes out. Oh my god, was just it, something to behold because you knew Greg the leg. If they got to the forty, well, Gostowski had already missed one right, field goal. Yeah, right.
0: Brady had thrown an absolute uh, duck. A disc. Up, he had two turnover plays in the first pick. half. It yeah. was horrific. He made up for it. You know, credit to Tom, but um, it was looking like a yeah. a terrible... The Rex Burkhead, over two catches,
1: destroyed by a penalty. The yeah. one penalty so called all push. game. Uh, so CJ Anderson, his first catch, I'm waving him back. He gets tackled after three yards. Please and then, give me
0: some credit. I told you he was going to pick up a dump off. I told you this.
1: Right, you did. Well, that's why we were originally going to go with under half a catch. Right. So I he... D- so Talked you into that we out wrong. of that I, one at least. I was wrong about CJ Anderson's role <laughs> in the passing game. He did get 12 yards on two catches. We had the Brady over one and a half because after the miss by yep. Zerline, he did take a knee. Got over two. Did um, not the James Devlin first
0: touchdown would have set this over yeah. the top. I would not be here today if James <laughs> Devlin had scored that first touchdown. I'd be on my way to Mexico. But it's nice that I'm still here because, you know, we yeah. can actually pretend to dress up under cover up the
1: meat sweats that we have. The meat sweats heavy. So, from yeah, all the so, Sampo Ranta that we have. Not, not that our, our locks of the week improved as the season progressed. Let's go with that. Uh, the great
0: thing is that even though actual football games are over, if you're a complete degenerate whack job, the AAF is now here for you. And if you're not a degenerate whack job, you're only slightly insane neurotic person the NFL draft is coming and so that's exciting and you uh, can watch the combine yeah, well, and,
1: and and hopefully if you guys listening as you listen to this and you if you have ideas for for pre-draft content send them our way we will do something on the draft each week we will not listen to you
0: that's not true yeah uh, we've got a lot of fun stuff though that you have been working incredibly hard on to leverage our college data I think the thing that gets overlooked about pff is that
1: we do we put in more work to do college than we do the nfl given the man, number of hours, man hours that and, it yeah. takes um, and and it's and it's starting to become it's starting to bear fruit in terms of predictive power five years of college data which means four years of college to pro data um it's pretty good and, and i'm really excited for us to be able to you know give away some of it on the podcast but a lot of it a lot of it is just like behind the scenes and well frankly a lot of fun
0: so, questions that you have, shoot them our way. Kyler Murray will be going
1: first overall. Well, he should be going first overall. He will be going first. The, the AAF stuff, I think we'll start at the end of the week. We'll talk about, because we, we're not going to give out picks, but we will talk about here. what you would do if you tried to start a league from scratch and you wanted to use data to, to make projections. Oh, we already know who the better drafter is, so... <laughs> Well, no, you're, you're, just, you're just haughty because you, you, won, you won your steak dinner back after my tweet, Twitter hiatus. Hiatus, so yes. So now we're like even. Does that mean we go to two dinners, or does that mean we go to zero? Do they cancel? It's a really good question. Maybe
0: we just go to one dinner and split the bill. Both.
1: Everyone wins. Everyone wins. Unlike the Super Bowl, where everyone lost. I just wanted everybody to have fun yesterday. Croft. I just wanted everybody to have okay, fun. Okay,
0: let's get out of here on this. The biggest winner from last night's Super Bowl...
1: Wasn't Romo? No. Um, in my opinion, Chris Collinsworth still, shockingly, yeah, it is the, the best, best color commentator. So in all is, of football, this is going to make me sound like a huge Homer. But I'm going to say something else because you got an email last night. Oh, sorry, from James sorry, James
0: that said you were a big homo, <laughs> yeah, not I Homer. I so, love the
1: implication that like women and gay people can't talk about football as well as we can. Well, the funny thing I, is, I, I like, thought. You should have
0: responded. So, this guy, if you haven't seen, go to uh, Eric's Twitter because he got an email from a guy who literally called him James Devlin. Yeah, called himself James Devlin and told Eric that he was a, frankly, acting like a big woman. You're nothing more than a big homo that doesn't watch the film. And so, I thought that Eric should have responded with. (laughs) This is ridiculous. I do watch the film. Because the idea that any of the other things (laughs) have anything to do
1: with you not being able to analyze football is everything that's wrong with America. Which of course I just tweeted out that the game's out of the background. (laughs) Which I thought was fairly funny. So biggest winner. I still think I still think if you're looking at if you're looking if if you're the favorite to win the Super Bowl next year, which the Chiefs are, you look at that game and the bar doesn't appear too high for you. So for them, for, for them I'm not going to say we, for them, I thought last night, going into 2019, you think of yourself, you say, listen, this is not insurmountable. So the biggest winner were the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. I can't believe
0: that that's, you somehow managed to wrangle them well, in. Okay, but
1: here's the thing. If amazing. The, it's are amazing. The chi- are, so if it's you watch last night's game... I don't disagree. You come out of last night's game and say... Brady's still the goat. Brady, Brady played an okay game. Yeah, he was okay. It was okay. He's not like it's not like watching like when Manning was starting to play with Denver, and you're like, and I as a player, person who watched the Chiefs, I was like, they're never going to win the AFC West again. Yeah, like I don't care. that feeling about he, Brady. He, he had a right
0: tackle as his number two option. Chris Hogan couldn't separate. But from, all those things, Chris Hogan to couldn't year, right? separate from a defender that had to start in New England to cover him. And the Rams do have a lot of talent on defense. I'm not going yeah. to all of a sudden but write Tom the the Rams, the
1: Rams went all in to win the Super Bowl this okay. year. And they didn't. They're, they're going to have a tough decision with Goff, tough decision with the guys we talked about. If you're a team that's still sort of on that yeah. leading edge of having a rookie quarterback deal, I do, think, I do think last night's game showed that the league might be widening in terms of its okay. distribution.
0: I have three winners. The real winner... Bill Belichick he's Mm -hmm. the biggest winner last night the funny winner is Todd Gurley because he didn't play a whole time and now gets to say I was the reason we lost and probably the biggest winner of all last night were the New Orleans Saints
1: I don't disagree well what would the game so to to end on this again what does the game look like if the Saints play
0: I think it ends up being 20 to 17 Patriots
1: that's not bad. I, I think the Saints do more to counter what the other team is doing to them. You know what I'll tell you about the Saints? They go for both those fourth downs. Yep. Well, no, there's no doubt about it. There is it. Zero, zero chance doubt about that it.
0: Sean Payton is ever... Yeah. Sean Payton will die on that yeah, field yeah. before he will send his punter out there yeah, yeah. at the 42. Uh, they would go, go for it at the 42. That. All right, Sean, I'm writing Sean Payton in for present. All right. We'll see you guys later. Peace out.